Section 14 of the Watergate Report, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 3. Chapter 8, The Hughes-Rebozo Investigation and Related Matters, Part 7. 6. Dunes Report Introduction Howard Hughes was a significant contributor to President Nixon's 1972 campaign. Although other principals in the Hughes-Rebozo contribution have disputed him, Mr. Rebozo testified that the $100,000 in cash he received from an agent of Hughes was for President Nixon's 1972 campaign. In addition to the secret contribution to Mr. Rebozo, Hughes contributed some $150,000 directly to the Nixon re-election campaign. The Rosemary Woods list of pre-April 7, 1972 contributors shows a total of $50,000 from Mr. Hughes. The remaining $100,000 was contributed to various state finance committees to re-elect the president after April 7, generally after the election, and duly recorded. Besides being a contributor to Nixon campaigns in 1968 and 1972, Mr. Hughes was also a man whose numerous business activities were under frequent government review. As part of its investigation of Hughes's contributions to the 1972 campaign, pursuant to Senate Resolution 60, the Select Committee investigated Hughes' relations with federal agencies from the date of the 1968 presidential election through 1972. The circumstances surrounding Hughes's efforts in 1970 to buy the Dunes Hotel in Las Vegas show questionable conduct at high levels of the executive branch and raise serious questions about the relation between campaign contributions by Hughes and federal actions affecting Hughes. The problems inherent in difficult-to-trace cash contributions are emphasized in the Dunes case, where Richard Danner, the man who delivered the Hughes cash to Charles G. Rebozo, the president's close friend, also presented Hughes's case on the hotel purchase directly to the attorney general, in a series of secret meetings. In early October 1973, the Select Committee staff began examining documents and interviewing the parties involved in the case. Over 50 interviews were conducted during the course of the investigation. The Antitrust Division of the Department of Justice cooperated freely and generously with the inquiry, by providing copies of its files on the dunes and the two other hotel cases involving Hughes, and by making staff lawyers available for interviews. A. Prior Antitrust Division Review of Hughes's Hotel Activities, the Stardust and Landmark Cases Between early 1967 and early 1968, Howard Hughes bought four resort hotels in Las Vegas, as well as a substantial amount of land on the Strip, and there was a widespread suspicion that Hughes wanted to buy up all of Las Vegas. As shown in memorandums written to and by Hughes, 
hughes was keenly interested in the hotel negotiations undertaken on his behalf by robert mayhew chief of hughes's nevada operations copies of some of the nineteen sixty eight hughes mayhew memorandums in which hotel purchases were discussed have been obtained by the select committee by march nineteen sixty eight hughes was actively pursuing several possible hotel purchases including the stardust in las vegas and was concerned about whether the senate gaming commission would approve any purchases he made hughes's interest in the financial details of the proposed purchases was typified in mayhew's march sixth nineteen sixty eight memorandum to hughes on the stardust and in hughes's memorandum to mayhew of march seventeenth nineteen sixty eight which set forth their evolving understanding of the proposed purchase terms in a memorandum to mayhew dated march fourteenth nineteen sixty eight hughes explained his strategy for obtaining gaming commission approval of his proposed purchases which essentially was to promise the commission that the stardust would be hughes's last major hotel casino acquisition in las vegas the dunes was apparently of interest to hughes at this early date but nothing happened until nineteen seventy in early april nineteen sixty eight the antitrust division of the department of justice aware of hughes's interest in the stardust and other las vegas hotels began a formal investigation or preliminary inquiry the preliminary inquiry which consisted of statistical research and analysis of the las vegas hotel industry and interviews of hughes representatives was conducted primarily by james j coyle then a staff lawyer in the antitrust division's san francisco office and now chief of the los angeles office as a result of his investigation coyle developed an expertise in the area of hotel acquisitions that was later used in evaluating other proposed purchases by hughes including the dunes in a mid-april memorandum richard gray a hughes lawyer from houston told hughes of a justice department request that the planned may first purchase of the stardust and the silver slipper casino also in las vegas be delayed until june thirtieth to give the antitrust division time to review the case by april twentieth hughes was apparently confident that the justice department review would present no problems but he was wrong although the nevada gaming commission approved hughes's plan to buy the stardust the justice department inquiry led to a civil complaint signed by the required justice department personnel including attorney general ramsey clark and scheduled for filing in late june nineteen sixty eight faced with the prospect of a lawsuit hughes's representatives postponed the merger shortly before the complaint was to be filed consequently the suit was not filed hughes did not try again to purchase the stardust although hughes's representatives tried in vain to obtain a reversal of the department's position in the following months the gist of the complaint was that adding the stardust to hughes's other hotel holdings would violate section seven of the clayton act by increasing his share of the relevant market defined in the complaint as resort hotel rooms in las vegas to almost forty per cent 
well beyond the percentages allowed by leading antitrust cases and by the merger guidelines promulgated by the department on may thirtieth nineteen sixty eight and hence to an unlawfully anti-competitive level the proposed complaint and accompanying legal memorandum are important reference points for the later handling of the dunes case by the justice department in the fall of nineteen sixty eight hughes became seriously interested in buying the landmark hotel in las vegas the then unfinished structure that was beset with substantial financial problems hughes's lawyer richard gray and lawyers for the owner submitted to the antitrust division a written request for advance approval called a business review letter contending that the landmark was a failing company that could only be saved from bankruptcy by hughes's offer the failing company doctrine is an explicit exception to the strictures of the merger guidelines the procedures for processing and granting requests for business review letters are set forth in antitrust division regulations the landmark file is extensive as in the stardust case the proposed purchase was found to violate the merger guidelines the antitrust division expressed to the buyer and seller serious doubts about whether the failing company defense necessary to override a violation of the guidelines had been adequately established and demanded more proof a full-scale investigation was launched by the antitrust division including numerous interviews of possible alternative purchasers by antitrust division lawyers particularly james coyle who had worked on the stardust case on january seventeenth nineteen sixty nine the antitrust division formally approved the purchase in writing having decided that an exception to antitrust rules was justified because no other alternative to bankruptcy existed besides hughes hughes now owns the landmark b the dunes one how it began hughes's proposed purchase of the dunes hotel in las vegas was handled by hughes's representatives and by the justice department very differently than were the stardust and landmark cases in early nineteen seventy hughes instructed robert mayhew to negotiate to buy the dunes according to mayhew the instruction like so many from hughes came without prior notice and with no explanation of hughes's reasons the select committee has discovered no hughes mayhew memorandums covering the dunes negotiations mayhew says that hughes with whom he was frequently in touch regarding the dunes instructed him to send richard danner then manager of the hughes owned frontier hotel in las vegas directly to john mitchell to obtain justice department approval of the purchase mayhew stated that after being thwarted by the antitrust division in the stardust case hughes decided that he would never again talk with any assistant attorneys general but instead would deal only with the boss that is the attorney general mayhew's explanation does not square with hughes's approach to the antitrust division in the landmark case where shortly after the stardust confrontation mayhew and richard gray formally approached the assistant attorney general antitrust division with a written business review request a more likely reason for sending danner directly to mitchell 
was that Danner knew Mitchell from the 1968 campaign. According to Robert Mayhew, Hughes, who had to pass upon the hiring of all top executives, was pleased with the hiring of Danner in early 1969 and was aware of Danner's political contacts. Hughes' Mayhew memorandums talked specifically about Danner being a liaison to the Nixon administration, and Hughes instructed Mayhew to supplement Danner's income, some $10,000 to $12,000 per year, to compensate him for his liaison activities. 2. The Mitchell-Danner Meetings John Mitchell's decision to approve the Dunes purchase apparently rested on a series of secret meetings between Mitchell and Danner in early 1970. The following summary is based upon interviews with Mitchell and Danner, Mitchell's logs, and Danner's expense records. Significantly, there is no record of the Danner-Mitchell meetings, which no one else attended, in the Dunes file maintained by the Antitrust Division. Further, none of the Antitrust Division lawyers, who knew or might have known about the case, had any recollection of meeting with Danner on the Dunes, and none of them ever learned of the Danner-Mitchell meetings. Danner, Rebozo, and Mitchell have denied that there was any connection between the discussions regarding the Dunes and the Hughes contribution to Rebozo. Mitchell said that his first knowledge of the Hughes contributions to Rebozo came from newspaper reports, not from Danner, Rebozo, or anyone else involved in the transaction. Danner testified that he and Mitchell did not discuss political contributions or the 1972 presidential campaign, and could not recall discussing the dunes with Rebozo. Mr. Rebozo testified that he never talked with Danner about the dunes or with Mitchell about any problems related to Hughes. A. Danner's Testimony Mitchell was aware that Danner was working in Las Vegas for Hughes. He called Danner in late 1969 and asked to see him when Danner was next in Washington. On his next trip, date uncertain, Danner saw Mitchell and discussed a Justice Department strike force being set up to combat organized crime in Las Vegas. Mitchell was doubtful that Hughes's control over the casinos affected the influence exerted by organized crime in Las Vegas. At Danner's suggestion, the Attorney General sent a strike force into the Frontier Hotel to review its operations. Danner testified that a strike force was sent and that it determined that the operation of the casino was not under mob influence. The Select Committee found no evidence that any Justice Department lawyer was sent to the Frontier Hotel for such a purpose, or that anybody in the Justice Department ever approved the Hughes operation at the Frontier. One Justice Department lawyer did visit the Frontier in early 1970. David Nissen, who was an assistant U.S. attorney in Los Angeles in 1970, visited the frontier on either January 21, 1970, or March 9, 1970, solely to examine records from the pre-Hughes days, then in the custody of Hughes employees, that were relevant to a case in Los Angeles. Nissen never discussed the merits of Hughes's operation with Hughes's personnel, or with anyone in the Department of Justice, including John Mitchell. 
Danner's first meeting with Attorney General Mitchell regarding the acquisition of the Dunes was in January 1970. Danner has stated, At about that time, the acquisition of the Dunes Hotel had come up. The Dunes was for sale. I was asked by Robert Mayhew to talk to the Attorney General and ascertain what the guidelines might be, now or then at the time, relative to whether or not we would be in violation of antitrust, bearing in mind that at a former time when they, the Hughes Organization, were negotiating for the purpose of purchasing the Stardust Hotel, the Justice Department had threatened an antitrust suit if they took it. Danner testified that Mitchell asked him to get all the figures on the hotel rooms in the state of Nevada and those owned by Mr. Hughes. Mitchell told Danner he was unfamiliar with the department's earlier position on Hughes's proposed hotel purchases, so Danner briefed him. Danner met again with Mitchell regarding the dunes on February 26, 1970. Danner brought with him what he remembers as a one-page statistical memorandum showing the total number of hotel rooms, total number of motel rooms, total number of rooms in Hughes's hotels, and any percentage. When questioned by the select committee, Danner thought the memorandum had been prepared by Al Benedict, then an aide of Mayhew's. However, the memorandum was prepared by Edward P. Morgan, a Washington lawyer who then represented Hughes and had represented the owners of the Stardust during the 1968 negotiations with Hughes. The five-page memorandum, two of text, three of statistics, which was observed in the official Dunes file provided by the Antitrust Division, was undated and unidentified as to source or recipient. Further, there is no indication of how or when it was put into that file. The copy provided to the select committee by Morgan was attached to a cover letter from Morgan to Robert Mayhew, written on February 27, 1970, one day after what the letter refers to as the Danner-Mitchell Conference. Interestingly, none of the antitrust division lawyers who worked on, or theoretically had jurisdiction over the case, including then-Assistant Attorney General Richard McLaren, remembers seeing this memorandum. The lack of a stamped date of receipt on the copy in the Dunes file indicates that the memorandum was hand-delivered to the department and placed directly into the file, not routed through the mailroom. A memorandum setting forth similar statistics and arguments was submitted to the Antitrust Division on Hughes's behalf by Edward Morgan during the landmark case. The date of receipt, origin of the memo, and official reaction to it are noted in handwritten comments on the memorandum made by an Antitrust Division lawyer, unlike the Dunes memorandum submitted by Morgan. The memorandum submitted to Mitchell by Danner, in effect, argues for two changes in the market definition used by the Antitrust Division in the Stardust and Landmark cases. First, instead of defining the market as resort hotel rooms in Las Vegas, the Antitrust Division should instead consider all guest rooms, that is, all hotel and motel rooms in Las Vegas, 
or secondly all guest rooms in the entire state of nevada according to the unsubstantiated figures in the danner memorandum hughes's purchase of the dunes would not have violated the merger guidelines if one of the alternative market definitions were used there is nothing in the justice department dunes file to indicate that any analysis was done on the memorandum delivered by danner both james coyle and badia rashid director of operations in the antitrust division have noted that such a significant policy change should not have been made without an extensive analysis by lawyers in the division upon receipt of the memorandum on february twenty sixth mitchell told danner according to danner's testimony that he would let the boys look this over and give you an answer later the only substantive discussion during the meeting apparently concerned the statistical information danner had provided danner testified that the question whether the dunes was being managed by criminal elements was not discussed mitchell promised to get in touch with danner about the dunes which he did when he asked danner in a telephone conversation to see him the next time danner was in washington that conversation was probably on march ninth nineteen seventy danner came to washington and met with mitchell on march nineteenth nineteen seventy danner recalled the conversation as follows i went by his office i cannot recall whether there was anybody else present whether he called anyone up to meet with me but in a very perfunctory manner he said from our review of these figures we see no problem why don't you go ahead with the negotiations during the same conversation danner testified that mitchell told him proposed purchase met the guidelines the merger guidelines danner testified that he could not recall mitchell showing him during the march nineteenth meeting any documents reflecting an analysis of the proposed purchase by justice department lawyers in addition mitchell did not mention anything about removing organized crime from the dunes or say that the decision had anything to do with that consideration danner has no recollection that anyone else was involved in his conversations with mitchell about the dunes immediately after the meeting with mitchell danner reported the favorable result to robert mayhew and edward p morgan although neither man can remember how or where the message was delivered both danner and mayhew were registered at the madison hotel on march nineteenth nineteen seventy mayhew remembers danner telling him that the case was taken care of in washington and that there would be no interference beyond that after Danner met with Mitchell and reported to Mayhew, he flew to Florida for the weekend. Mayhew does not remember being in Florida then, but records from the Sonesta Beach Hotel in Key Biscayne show Danner and Mayhew registered there from March 20th through 22nd, 1970. On March 20th, 1970, at 3.30 p.m., mitchell left union station in washington on a train trip to florida mitchell returned to washington on the evening of march twenty third at noon on the next day he went back to key biscayne in the words of his log thus he was apparently in key biscayne when danner and mayhew were president nixon was not in key biscayne during this time period danner asserts that he did not discuss the dunes with rebozo 
during March 20th through 22nd, 1970, despite the just-completed meeting with Mitchell, or at any other time. Danner does not remember whether he saw Mitchell in Key Biscayne over this March weekend. Mr. Rebozo also denies any discussion of the dunes with Danner. Mayhew, on the other hand, has raised the distinct possibility of a quid pro quo arrangement. On July 4, 1973, Mayhew testified that after Danner returned from one of his meetings with Mitchell in Washington, Mayhew set in motion one of the two $50,000 contributions to Rebozo. According to Mayhew, I believe I informed Mr. Bell, Tom Bell, then a Hughes lawyer in Las Vegas, in the presence of Mr. Danner, upon the return of Mr. Danner from Washington, D.C., that certain political obligations had to be met as the result of the trip which Mr. Danner had made. I believe I requested that Mr. Bell make those funds available to Mr. Danner. The recollections of Danner and Bell on this subject are set forth in the section on the deliveries of the $100,000. While uncertain about Danner's talks with Mitchell, Mayhew is certain that he commented about the $50,000 in conversations with Danner about the Dunes Hotel. When telling Danner that Hughes wanted to see Mitchell about the antitrust problems relative to the acquisition of the Dunes, Mayhew noted, I remember telling Danner that we had authority from Hughes to make a commitment to help the administration in some of the congressional races they'd be interested in, but I don't know to this day if he took the matter up with Mitchell or someone else. After one of Danner's trips to Washington to see Mitchell, he and Mayhew, according to Mayhew, talked about a planned delivery to Rebozo. B. Mitchell's Statement Mitchell remembers only one meeting with Danner and with antitrust division officials, sometime in the summer of 1970. Mitchell claims that the antitrust division preferred to have public corporations, rather than criminal figures, owning hotels. The question on the dunes, however, was not one of criminal influences, but rather whether the market definition should be Las Vegas hotels or hotels throughout Nevada. Mitchell cannot remember whether he or anyone in the department ever made a decision on the dunes. In general, Mitchell says he remembers almost nothing about the dunes. There is nothing in the dunes file written by Mitchell or indicating in any way his opinion on the case. 3. What happened in the antitrust division? In early March 1970, Mitchell called Richard McLaren, then head of the antitrust division. According to McLaren, Mitchell emphasized that the governor of Nevada was pushing for justice approval of the Dunes purchase by indicating that the Dunes was hoodlum-owned and that Hughes would buy it and clean it up. Mitchell told McLaren that he was inclined to go along with the purchase and asked McLaren to determine if Hughes could buy the Dunes without doing too much violence to the merger guidelines. McLaren interpreted this as a casual inquiry. Soon after the call from Mitchell, Mitchell and McLaren met with James Coyle, who had developed a knowledge of the Las Vegas hotel situation in his work on the Stardust and Landmark cases. Coyle was in Washington working on the ITT case. 
McLaren's memory of his conversation with Coyle is vague. In fact, until reminded of it during his interview, he could not remember meeting with Coyle. He thought he had called Coyle at Coyle's California office. Coyle's recollection is much clearer. According to Coyle, McLaren told him that he, McLaren, might have to approve the Dunes purchase. This was the first time Coyle had heard of the possibility. McLaren told Coyle that the governor of Nevada was putting pressure on for approval by arguing that Hughes would drive the mafia from the dunes, and he asked Coyle for his opinion of the purchase. Coyle remembered saying that approval could not be reconciled with the department's 1968 position on the stardust, and that the job of controlling crime should be handled by the Nevada authorities not by making exceptions to antitrust policies. Coyle offered to write a memorandum for McLaren, based upon market shares and the merger guidelines, and upon his recollection of the pertinent facts in the Stardust and Landmark cases. McLaren accepted the offer. Coyle wrote a five-page memorandum and gave it to McLaren's secretary on March 6, 1970, just before he returned to California. He had no other involvement in the Dunes case, and, hearing nothing about it, he assumed that McLaren had been able to kill the idea of a Hughes purchase. The Coyle Memorandum, after outlining the Stardust and Landmark cases, pointed out that the proposed purchase would increase Hughes's share of the Las Vegas resort hotel market to about 28%. Coyle also noted that the proposed acquisition is bound to create controversy, and that because of prior involvement with Hughes's hotel purchases, the antitrust division will be asked to take a position. The memorandum concluded on an equivocal note, with Coyle suggesting a possible alternative to outright approval. If there are overriding considerations which make it necessary to modify our prior position on Hughes's acquisitions in Las Vegas, we should tie that acquisition to the changing and unsettled market structure, as suggested by Parvin Dorman, another hotel case, and preserve our right to secure divestiture at a later date if it becomes necessary. On March 8, 1970, a Sunday, McLaren worked on the Dunes matter in his office for one half hour, presumably evaluating Coyle's memorandum. Four days later, on March 12, 1970, McLaren and Mitchell met at 5 p.m. and discussed the Dunes for approximately 15 minutes. McLaren told Mitchell that the purchase would violate the merger guidelines and would make the department look bad because of its prior position on the stardust. McLaren also suggested that Nevada could act on its own against criminal figures running casinos by instituting license revocation proceedings. McLaren told Mitchell that the Antitrust Division would accept the Hughes purchase if there were no other legitimate and reasonable bids. According to McLaren, my remarks did not express and were not intended by me to express my approval nor to substitute for the formal investigation and report procedure which precede division action on acquisitions of this kind. 
the meeting concluded without mitchell indicating what his reaction to mclaren's presentation was or what his position on the purchase would be this was the last discussion on the subject mclaren remembers having with mitchell danner testified that on march nineteenth as noted earlier mitchell conveyed oral approval of the proposed purchase to danner mclaren says that he never met danner or any hughes people that he knows of no mitchell meetings with hughes's representatives and that he knows of no approval given to hughes by mitchell on march twenty sixth unaware that mitchell had given oral approval to danner one week earlier mclaren wrote a two-page memorandum to mitchell reviewing their early march phone conversation and their march twelfth meeting mclaren however did not recall any discussions with mitchell about the case after march twenty sixth nineteen seventy with one possible exception no one in the antitrust division remembers seeing mclaren's march twenty sixth memorandum or talking with mclaren about it mclaren insists that in his march twenty sixth memorandum as in his march twelfth meeting with mitchell he in no way intended to approve the proposed dunes purchase or to relinquish his control of any future investigation if what mclaren saw as a casual inquiry turned into serious negotiations for the sale end of section fourteen recording by maria casper